0: Hey, y'all, welcome back to Gospel Fellowship. Uh, again, my name is Rodney Wookson, Get the Service, the lead pastor uh, of Gospel Fellowship, and I want to share God's word with you. Again, I want to encourage you to share this link, get the word out. I think God's going to speak uh, through His word to us this morning. I um, also want to encourage you uh, to get your Bibles. If you have your physical Bible, praise God. If not, you can download a Bible on the Bible app on your, in your App Store. So I wanna encourage you to do that. Again, we are in our series called Everyday Joy. I believe we all need it. Uh, We are living in some unusual times uh, that we have not experienced before. And happiness is cool. Uh, Good things happening is cool. Uh, A stimulus check is cool. Uh, But we need lasting, consistent joy uh, in in great times and in really, really dark times. And Paul is gonna help us to get that this morning. Uh, if you're like me, uh, love basketball, love sports, and if you're any kind of a sports fan, then this weekend you were tuned in to The Last Dance on ESPN. It is a story of the Chicago Bulls and their 95, 90s, 90, I'm sorry, 97, 98 basketball season uh, and how they were going for their sixth championship. I, mean, I remember being in high school at the time, and a part of my regiment, once I got to school, was to rush down to the cafeteria and meet all of my friends and we would pull out this thing called a newspaper. I know you don't know what that is. It's a long sheet of paper that gave us information about what was happening in our world. We would pull out that sports section of the newspaper and we would just start chopping up stats, talking about how many points Jordan scored, Pippen scored, watching their march to the playoffs to claim their sixth championship. And man, when, when he would come back and when he would score a bunch of points, I would just be marveling at his skill on the basketball court. Just joyful with me, my friends, just talking about how great that team was. But like with any documentary, it begins to peel back the layers that we see on the outside and take us behind the curtain to see what's really happening. And then we marveled at sports fans this weekend, seeing some of the tension that was happening behind the scenes, the division, the, the separation, the, the sabotage, and even uh, poor leadership of the uh, general manager and not allowing that dynasty to continue. And I mean, as we look at, at, at all of this, we look at such a great team, you would think, man, the Bulls, that's, that's joy. The Bulls, that's incredible. But then behind the scenes... They're all kind of drama and tragedy. Or maybe you say, Rodney, I'm not, I'm not a sports fan, so I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. That's cool, maybe you checked out the Clark Sisters, that documentary of that great gospel uh, family just raised and drenched in gospel music. And maybe that's a part of what you watch this uh, weekend and man, just seeing what a great family that was and the skill of them as singers and traveling all over the world and pre- in, in, in singing the gospel. But then when you peel back the layers, You see that even a family like the Clark sisters had drama and division and bitterness and rivalry and and discontentment and eventually alienation. Rodney, what are you saying? We can climb to the highest pinnacle of success and still find at that pinnacle our lives lacking and wanting, not necessarily happiness or the new toys or the new gadgets, but lacking sustain joy so the obvious question is all right. so how do I get that joy I think it's clear and and if I was was dishing out joy this morning you would raise your hand and say I want some of that how do I get it Paul throughout this letter is going to help us find real joy you can pick me up in Philippians chapter 1 this is just our second week starting at verse 3 And we'll look at uh, verses 3 through 11 this morning. Look what it says. It's word time. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are my partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and in the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want to talk to you about being joyful people and answering this question, where can I find this kind of joy? I want to argue That you find it by celebrating others' works, celebrating God's work, and then joy that comes in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, would you speak through me some wonderful truths you want your people to know. Would you use me for your glory? Speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Point one, celebrating others. I want to remind you where Paul's writing. It's not in a comfortable chair with an ink pen and a pad. He's writing this in a dark, cold, damp prison. You're going to hear me say that often in this series. He's not writing this in pristine conditions. This is hard. And out of this prison cell comes wonderful truths from God's word. Here's what he says in verse 3. Look at it again. I thank my God. In all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Get the picture. Paul's in prison and he remembers the church at Philippi. He remembers planting that church. We talked about that last week. Conversation with Lydia, uh, casting out an evil spirit out of a slave girl, uh, uh, using uh, God using his situation in a jail to lead a Philippian jailer to Christ. He remembers the challenges of that church being planted, but also the joy of that church being planted. And here what Paul does in prison, he begins to lift up holy hands and begin to thank God as he remembers this church. That's powerful. He could be thinking of himself, but he's not. He's he's thanking God as he remembers this church. And, And this church has such a profound impact on him that he is offering up prayer for this church in every prayer for all of them. And he's not just praying. In a depressing way or uh, out of obligation, Paul is praying, here's this first note of joy in our letter. He's praying this prayer with joy. I love that because what it seems like is happening in our passage, even though Paul is locked up and they won't let him out, his joy stays in and he's able to access something that's not found in his environment, what he is accessing is found from within. That's a good place for us to stop because the joy that you're looking for is not gonna be found on the outside or found in circumstances. The joy that you and I are looking for is found from within, namely, from the work that Christ has done within us. And here Paul is saying, I'm not just praying to pray, I'm praying with Jesus' joy. Because when I think about what God has done in the life of the folks in the church at Philippi, I rejoice. It's been 10 years since this church has been planted. And people have come to know who Jesus is. And people have been transformed by the gospel. And they've been partnering with Paul in all of this. And great fruit is coming out of it. So Paul says, when I think about all that God has done, not necessarily in me in this prison, but when I think about all that God has done in others, that's joy. It's good news. I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. That's good news for us. Maybe our problem this you know Paul is sitting in a jail cell he could have easily become self-consumed he could have sung songs like nobody knows trouble I see nobody knows but me he could have said I don't feel like praising I don't feel like praying I don't feel like writing this letter I don't feel like encouraging nobody I'm low leave me low let me be That's not what Paul does. I wonder, is part of the reason that we don't experience the joy that God wants to provide for us is we are too self-consumed. I wonder if I was to record your prayer life, how many eyes would be there and how many others would be there? What I love about Paul is he is not spending his time wallowing in his own self-pity. Paul is spending his time praising and praying about other people. Another thing I don't see Paul doing in this letter is being super critical. You may say, Rodney, well, I'm not focused on me. I'm I'm, I'm thinking about others. But if you're thinking about others in a way that is super critical, it hinders the influence of joy on your own life. So one of the things I don't see Paul doing is asking a ton of questions about how fruitful really is this church at Philippi. Are they doing this work from a sincere heart? What's the motivation behind what the church at Philippi is doing? Here's what Paul does. He sees movement. He sees growth, even at a minimal level. And Paul begins to rejoice over what he sees. We don't need to wait till everything is perfect to rejoice, even as we think about other people. We can rejoice that God is at the move in their life doing his work according to his own purpose and in his own timing. Paul rejoices over the fruit and growth that he sees. I love what I believe Gordon Fee says about this. He says, Paul does not rejoice over stuff. Paul rejoices over people. I want to encourage you, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, could it be that you're so consumed with your business plan? You're so consumed with this degree. You're so consumed with your own plans and ambitions that you have no margin for others. And in so doing that, you are robbing yourself of the joy that God wants to provide for you. Paul rejoices in the joy of partnership. Look at verse five, he says, because of your partnership, a part of the reason Paul is rejoicing is because of your partnership or fellowship, that word can be used in the gospel from the first day until now. This word partnership comes from the Greek word koanía. It's a word that appears in Philippi, uh, in the book of Philippians several times. And this word means, it connotes a variety of relationships involving mutual interest and sharing. Mutual interest and sharing. I remember leading a mission trip several years ago now and when we were leading it, we just opened it up to anybody that wanted to go. We ended up with 15 people from various backgrounds and cultures and, and lines of work and, and different tolerances for the heat and, and, and different tops. Some were introverted and some were extroverted. So we had all kinds of people on this trip. And one of the cool things with all of our differences, when we got into uh, that mission trip and we focused our attention at the goal at hand, it was amazing to see people sacrifice their preferences, their comforts, so that the mission that we were there to do could go forth. That's what Paul is getting at when he's talking about this partnership or this fellowship in the gospel. You see, Paul had planted that church. He had labored to get that church going. He's established elders. He's providing leadership, providing oversight. He's teaching and instructing. He's training them. And so the church is coming alongside, they're they're following Paul's leadership, they're submitting to his instruction, they're supporting Paul financially, they're they're, they're making sure that that their leader is taken care of, and, and then they're reproducing what Paul has done. This is so important, they don't just take and receive the gospel for themselves, but they get the gospel out. And Paul is rejoicing in this partnership because they have taken the gospel, not just held the gospel, but they have multiplied the gospel. They have shared good news about Jesus. And in so doing, the church at Philippi was growing. So when Paul is talking about this gospel fellowship, if you will. Really, this is kind of, kind of really speaks to what our church is about. It's about huddling around the gospel, not just being there for the sake of being there, but huddling around the gospel so we can get this gospel out. I love what Dr. Kent Hughes says about this. Listen to this quote. This is powerful. He says, I think, or he thanked God, talking about Paul, for their awesome fellowship in the gospel from the first day he met them. He's not talking about a church social here. When we talk about fellowship, sometimes we think, "Oh man, we were fellowshiping. We were, man. We got some chicken. You know, we watched a game. It was just sweet fellowship." I mean, I hear you. That's cool. Praise God. Or, you know, we we all got together. The girls got together. We were just kicking it, and hanging out. Man, it was dope. Man, praise God for that. You know. But what Paul is talking about fellowship here or partnership is a little bit different. It says, "But rather a deep partnership grounded in Christ." and the Holy Trinity and in the grace and in the spirit and in the suffering and in the sacrifice, watch this, a robust band of brothers and sisters in a quest for the souls of the world. Do you see that? One of the ways you and I are gonna experience joy is by helping more and more people come to the knowledge, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, we got one mission and one mission only. A chance to share my faith recently, The young man, thankful he gave time, was very attentive, received what I said. Man, I went home, cloud nine. Just so thankful that God would grant an opportunity to share faith one-on-one. Got a band of brothers at our church, you're just going out to where people are in, in an impoverished situation and just sharing the gospel and, and I'm calling them and talking to them as they're coming back from doing that and, and you would think they were popping pills or you would, you know, you would think they were on some kind, kind of drug because they got the joy of sharing good news with people that needed to hear it. What about us? What about you? When is the last time you shared that kind of good news with someone. Right now, uh, some may say, well, I used to really serve others, or I used to be all about others, but Rodney, right I got burnt out. I was caring for others and giving to others and they didn't recipro- re- reciprocate my love. I, I got tired. I, I needed a break. I needed a rest. I needed to pull back. I hear you, and I wanna legitimize this statement. There are times that you need rest and sabbatical and you need to, to take a break. This break can't last forever. Let me ask you a question. As you're breaking, as you're resting, as you're recouping, again, real stuff. But if you've been resting too long, have you found joy there? Have you found joy concentrating on you, focusing on you, being all about you? Did you find joy? How about you comment on that? Pluck that in right there and in the stuff below, comment, did you find joy? Yes or no? Or is the Holy Spirit this morning wooing you to get back in the game? Every player takes a break. Every, every team has a timeout, but then the whistle blows again and it's time to get back in service and get back in the game because the joy is in playing the game. It's, it's in serving with the team. It's in lifting up others. Paul is clear. One of the ways Paul is going to help us understand how we get joy is by how we minister to others. The second way Paul is going to help us understand how we get joy is not just uh, in in celebrating others' work, but it's in celebrating God's work. Look at verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul could have grabbed his mic drop the mic and walk off the stage and enough would have been said. This is a bombshell Paul just dropped. Look at verse six again. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In case you didn't know, this is gospel gold. It is worth its own sermon. We need to mine this together. Look at what it says first, that I am confident, I am sure of this. Here's the question. Where did Paul get that kind of confidence that he's just sure about the work that God is doing in your life? And I got two answers for you. The first one is the blood of Jesus. There is no work in your life apart from the atoning work and the sacrificial shedding of the blood of Jesus on the cross for you and I. This is the gospel. The reason why God can be at work in a wretch like you and I is because the gospel, because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed for our sins. That's good news. That's why the church used to sing stuff like, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If he has to reach way down, Jesus will pick you up. Listen, it's it's the sacrificial atoning blood of Jesus Christ. It's why God can be at work in a wretch like me, in a wretch like you. It's what Jesus did. That's it. That's all. It's the blood. This is why Paul is confident. So you may say this, if you knew me, you would not say that, that, that I can be confident in the work that God is doing. But it's not based on you. It's based on God, on, based on Jesus. It's God's work for you, but it's not based on you. It's his blood at work. It's his sacrifice at work on our behalf. And that's powerful. Not just that. But the second reason that Paul can say this with confidence is look at verse seven. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers. There's that partnership word again. With me of grace. What is Paul saying? Not only... Did Jesus come in and rescue you and save you? And there was this confession of faith, and, and, and you proclaimed that you believe. It wasn't just this 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 you spewing out uh, uh, this this fact about Jesus or following someone in the sinner's prayer. Look what Paul says in verse seven. There's some fruit attached to that tree. You see, you just don't proclaim to know Jesus. You demonstrate that you know Jesus through your life and work. This is why Paul is so confident to say, listen, beloved, I'm confident in this. If God begins a good work in you, he's going to bring it to completion. And that's good news for you and I. He's not done with us yet. He's not through with us, us yet. He hasn't given up on us yet. It's not over yet. If he started, he's going to finish it. He's not like some, some guy in the house who the wife has to run behind you and say, hey, listen, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you add this to your to-do list? Can you get around to doing this? Can you please do this? Listen, God doesn't have a to-do list because he never stops working right now. Even in a pandemic, he wastes nothing. He, he, he throws away nothing. Right now, he's working in the affairs of your life, bringing about his own purposes for you and I. He, he doesn't stop working. Right now, God's working in your life. Why? Because he's gonna bring what he starts to completion. You see, you and I get the joy, watch this, of joining Christ in the renewal of all things. This is our message. What a message. What a message that you could tell someone struggling with the fact: do I know Jesus? Do I do I walk with Jesus? Am I his? But 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 you can tell them, listen, if God started that work of repentance, that work of grace, that, that work of forgiveness, if he started that thing, he's gonna finish that thing. Your best response is to work in partnership or in fellowship with what he's already doing. We can celebrate God's work and that leads us to joy. There's a story told of a woman who was in college and trying to make some money. She ended up getting involved in the porn industry. And as she was in this industry, She thought she would be there for a short while, just enough to pay for classes, but ended up spending seven years of her life in the porn industry. She climbed the charts and was, quote unquote, successful in that field. She felt she had made it big. She said to herself, I don't care what people think. I don't care what they post. I don't care what anybody has to say. I know who I am. I'm doing this for a season and I'm going to get out. But that life and that sin began to wear on her and wear her down. She started to feel ashamed of what she was doing. She started taking cocaine and and, and pills and heroin to just try to numb the pain of how she was feeling. She decided to take some time and to go to her grandmother's house and found out as she went there, just trying to figure out her next steps and what she would do. She found out that her grandfather started attending a church she actually she could go with her grandfather. As she went to the church, she 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 heard the message, she heard the singing, she saw the fellowship, and decided to get a Bible. and And they gave her a Bible, and she's she's reading her Bible. But that that situation wasn't long lived; didn't stick. She ended up slowly, slowly going back into this porn industry she tried to keep it from people, but people found out. And she ended up on a plane and she was flying to go do this scene. And, and as she had gotten on the plane and, and looking in her bag, found that Bible that was given to her. And she opened up that Bible and she started reading about how Jesus treated the woman caught in the act of adultery. And when she saw the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus offered her, She was convicted of her sins and began to grow in her love and her adoration for Jesus. Rodney, what are you saying? As this girl read that story, she said, I can't go shoot that scene. As a matter of fact, I'm done. Went back home, went back to that church, surrendered her life to Jesus, got involved, in ministry, Got involved in serving others. Stopped dating for two years and just wanted to learn more about this Jesus that can forgive us of our wretched sin. She ended up in a marriage relationship with a youth minister. And now they share this testimony to young people all over the country. Rodney, what do you say? We got a message to tell. And it's not one that beats people down because people already know that they're down and they don't need to be reminded. It is a message that Jesus will come right where you are, forgive you, wash you, redeem you in his blood. And he never stops working. How does Paul end this letter? Talk about the joy that comes from serving others. We talked about the joy in celebrating God's work. Finally, he closes this out with the joy of prayer. And all I'm going to do in this last section is read this prayer slowly. And I want you to feel Paul's pastoral prayer over us this morning. Listen to it. It says, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. I love that. Paul says, I want you to grow in your love and adoration for me. And that that love will include knowledge and discernment. In other words, you can begin to pick out and choose what is critical for you to be doing in this day and in this hour. Verse 10 So that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Beloved, your righteousness of your own is not enough. You need righteousness that comes from Jesus. You need righteousness that you can never earn or deserve. You may say, Rodney, I know that that's the gospel. Well, you need to drink from that fountain again so you can be informed and enlightened on the righteousness that God has given you. And if he's given you that righteousness, now live righteously. Finally says to the glory and praise of God. I pray that encouraged you like it encouraged me. I pray that you got joy from that like I got joy from that. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. A couple of things. Man, number one, write down the list of five people that God's calling you to celebrate the work that they're doing. Could be fellow Christians, could be pastors, ministers, could be missionaries, could be people you see on social media. Stop right now, write down five names. What I want you to do after this, is I want you to write an encouraging note to them. Celebrate the work of others. Well, what about my work? Celebrate the work of others, please. Secondly, what I want you to do, is I want you to write down the name of five more people that you'll begin to pray for and to begin to pray for their work, that their work will remain. Would you do that? Those are my two challenges to you.